from the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sales Training World podcast for the month of February 2018. I'm thrilled that you've taken the opportunity to stop by and get a little knowledge. We'll be doing some schooling today. Nine habits of sales superstars. You know, I've had an opportunity to train, uh, gosh, I guess just over 6,000 uh, different salespeople. And I'm thrilled to report and tell you that there are characteristics of great salespeople that can be identified and can be repeated. So I'm going to give you the nine habits of sales superstars today uh, in the podcast. Big shout out to our friends over at Open Look Business Solutions. They're a sponsor of the Sales Training World podcast. What do they do? Outsourcing, uh, sales tasks, data management, data cleanup, anything like that. Check them out online at open-look.com. Reach out to Mike and Brad and Kevin and those guys at Open Look. They'll take care of you. There's a lot of sales tasks that you can outsource. So the group that I turn to is Open Look Business Solutions, open-look.com. Of course, one of our favorite parts of the program after we talk about habits of sales superstars is going to be our listener questions. Keep those questions coming in to ryan at ryandorn.com, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N is how you spell my last name. We've got questions from Riley in San Diego. You're going to be up today. Lori from Des Moines, David from New Jersey. And if you've got a question, send it in, ryan at ryandorn.com. You know, the Sales Training World uh, podcast, along with uh, salestrainingworld.com and, and the blogs, and we've got a lot of great stuff that has been put up online recently from a lot of our collaborators, a lot of our contributors. We've got a blog post all about body language and reading body language and using that in your sales process. For all you sales managers out there, ad, ad directors and general managers and uh, all those kind of different folks, general sales managers, uh, we've got a very special blog that we're going to be putting up here in just a couple of days about territories versus category selling. And so I think it's going to be a blog uh, that you're going to really, uh, really like from my friend Lou Delone. And then, of course, stick around next month's podcast. I've got a very special guest. His name is Clay Sander. He's joined us here at our team. And he is an improv sales comedy expert. So that's next month. Uh, so that's going to be in the March Sales Training World podcast. All right, let's talk about these habits. How long do you think that it takes to form a really good habit? What's your... What's your opinion on that? Call it out. Five days, seven days. A lot of people say 21 days. And where's that come from? The 21-day myth is actually a misinterpretation of Dr. Maxwell Mulch's work on self-image. Here's the thing. Uh, Dr. Maltz did not say it takes 21 days. <laughs> Here's the interesting piece. People wanted it to be true so much so that they actually continued to quote him incorrectly for all of these years. Here's the simple fact. Habits come in three separate phases. It's what should you do, how should you do it, and then the desire to make it happen. All of us are different. 
For me, it can take a couple of weeks. For you, it might take a couple of days. What do we need for habits to be formed really quickly? Usually, we need crisis. In a crisis, we tend to form habits really, really fast. So, for example, um, if you had a heart attack, you're probably going to form a good eating habit and a good exercise habit pretty darn quick. So let's not get into a sales crisis. Let's take a look at the nine habits of sales superstars. Write them down. Join me as we walk through these. Habit number one, sales superstars understand that sales is a numbers game. It's a numbers game. Sales is a numbers game. It's a glorious game of math. Here's one of the things I observe um, when I have the privilege of working with companies large and small coaching training sales teams, speaking at conferences, most people don't know their call-to-close ratios. Most people don't know how many prospecting calls it takes to get to a meeting and then how many meetings they need to host in an effort to close a deal. That's called a call-to-close ratio. So how do you figure it out? What I like to say is take the goal that your manager gives you and back yourself into it. So as an example, if your goal for the month, just to be simple, was $10,000, how many deals would you need to close to get to $10,000? Well, if what you're selling is $5,000, you would obviously need to close two deals to get to $10,000. Well, at face value, a lot of salespeople would say, so I need to work two prospects to get two deals. Well, that would only be the case if you closed 100%, if your closing rate was 100%. Now, <laughs> if, if your closing rate is 100%, uh, write a book, <laughs> host a podcast, hit the road, because that would be amazing, okay? The simple fact is this. Most people, if they can close anywhere from 40 to 55%, uh, they're doing really, really great. 30% is pretty common. 40 to 50, 55% is really good. If you're closing 80%, you're doing something spot on. So habit number one, understanding that sales is a numbers game. It's a glorious game of math. And begin to wrap your head around your call-to-close ratios. Numbers can be comforting, everybody. When I'm coaching people, I say, listen, what is your call-to-close ratio? What do you mean? How many calls do you need to make before you get a meeting with somebody? How many meetings do you need to have before you close a deal? And when you get your head wrapped around those call-to-close ratios, math can be your friend. You can use math to your advantage. All right? Habit number one of nine, sales is a numbers game, and superstars, they know it. Now, before you send me a bunch of hate mail out there, all you trolls, you haters, some of you out there, I do understand that sales is a game of relationships as well. I get it. But foundationally, until you get the meeting, you're not going to be able to build the relationship. So that's why I say it's a game of math. All right, number two, sales habit. Number two of sales superstars, always be prospecting. Always be prospecting. What are you going to do today to find new clients and get in front of people? Now, if you remember that uh, awesome sales movie, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, Alec Baldwin in the movie says, always be closing, A, B, C. Well, that's awesome as well. But sales superstars recognize they need to always be prospecting. So let me ask you this. What is your prospecting process? What do you do day in and day out As it relates to prospecting, do you have templates in place that you use? Do you maximize your CRM 
tool? Do you have a process as it relates to time of day? So let's walk through, I'll give you just a real brief example of a typical day in my sales life. I prospect at 11.15 and 4.15. That's a part of my process. Why do I do that? Typically, people book meetings at 10 and 2. Very, very common. Very rarely do people book meetings at 11.15 and 4.15. Why? At 11.15, typically, people don't book a meeting because they don't want to interrupt their lunch. People typically don't book meetings at 4.15 because they don't want to interrupt going home or happy hour. So what I find is at 11.15 and 4.15, I get better responses to emails, more people picking up the phone, and more people responding to all of the communications that I send. So as a part of my process, I prospect at very specific times of day, 11.15 and 4.15 in my client's time zone. As Also as a part of my process, I use a process I call the top 20. The top 20 list is four brand new people every day times five days in a week. Four times five is 20. So that's where my top 20 comes from. I'm always working at least four people. Now, what I do is I work those four people every three business days for 30 days. And then I either trade them or I give them a break. So I have four people. I work those four people over the course of 30 days, every three to four business days, then I rotate them out, put some new people on my top 20 list, just a part of my process. I also have templates that I use for prospecting. Lots and lots of templates. I don't want to rewrite templates and emails all of the time, so I save them in my CRM. Now, the other thing I do as a part of my process is I really try to focus on those mid-sized clients. Not the small ones, not the big ones, kind of those mid-sized clients. I find that the large ones are hard to close. When I lose them, it really kicks me in the tail. The small ones are a huge pain in my rear. So I focus a lot of my efforts, 60% of my effort is on those mid-sized clients. I love them. I feel like they're easy to work with. They respond uh, more, more rapidly to my emails. So I work a 20-60-20 prospecting process. 20% are smaller clients, 60% are mid-sized clients, 20% are large, big mama whale clients that I'll work. So I think it's important to understand you need a process. Sales superstars, as a habit, they're always closing, but they're always prospecting as well. All right, sales habit number three, I think it's very, very important, and that is sales superstars become time management experts. Number three, becoming a time management expert. And what I've noticed is that sales superstars are not random. They're a lot more deliberate in their day, what they do. So they block out times for prospecting. They block out times on their calendar for retention. They block out time on their calendar for answering emails that are unimportant And what they really don't do is they don't live in the moment, okay? They live based upon their calendar. You know, a lot of people say, you need to live in the moment. Live in the now is what they say. Well, living in the now is is a little bit random. Living in the now takes a tremendous amount of time, can be really, really stressful. Instead, I like to spend a lot of time blocking my day, blocking and tackling the foundations 
of the football game, you know, knowing where to be and where a player should be at a certain point on the football field is essential. Having a play, having a plan, timing is everything. Timing is everything in sports. Timing is everything in love and in life. Timing is everything in sales. It's all about timing. So when you think about it, if you become a time management master, a time management master, that's what separates that's what separates gr- good from great. That's what makes people really amazing. To go from great to superstar status is really understanding tip number three. Habit number three, sales superstars are typically time management experts. All right, number four, understanding that most sales superstars have never-ending energy. They have charisma that is contagious. So how do they do it? Well, what I found is you need to learn what makes you happy. You need to learn what makes you happy. You need to surround yourself with things that make you happy. You need to embrace the things that put you in a really, really good mood. You need to also, though, identify what are the things in life, in your life, at work, or whatever, that don't make you happy and isolate those to certain times of day. All right, now, if we're going to be prospecting, We want to be in our happy place. Are you with me? We want to paint those happy trees. We want to make sure we're in a really happy, happy space. If you don't get that reference, check out Bob Ross online, okay? You want to paint happy trees, be in a happy place. So if you are at your best in the morning, if you're a morning person, that's when you're the happiest, that's when you should be prospecting and reaching out to people if you're a morning person. Do that that at at 11 o'clock in the morning. Now, Let's just say you're really at 7 a.m. I don't know that that's the best time in the world to prospect. Some trainers would tell you that it is. I find better success at around 11.15, but maybe you're an afternoon person. Well, then in the morning, do those tasks that don't require charisma. Do the tasks that don't require a ton of energy. Save the tasks that need your energy and need your charisma in the afternoon. Long time ago, as it relates to being happy, I had a sales manager that bought me a mirror for my desk. And I always have a mirror with me always now when I'm selling. I like to look at myself. I want to smile in that mirror. Never-ending energy or never-ending happiness, never-ending charisma. That superstar sales habit, number four. All right, number five of nine. Sales superstars that I have encountered, they develop CRM tool discipline. Number five of nine, sales habits of superstars, developing CRM tool discipline. Whatever the CRM tool is that you use, you need to use it to its max. I had an opportunity to work with a wonderful sales professional. Her name was Veronica. And Veronica, she learned Salesforce inside and out. I mean, she could have been an administrator for Salesforce. She could be on the road as a trainer for Salesforce, she knew it inside and out. Because of that, she was able to use the tool to its max. Right next to her, sitting in a cube just a couple of chairs away, was a great salesperson. I mean, they were great. They weren't a superstar, but they were great. They struggled. They refused. They didn't want to embrace the CRM tool. They didn't want to use the reminders. They didn't want to track their calls, so on and so forth. And I kept saying to them, Listen, I'm not trying to compare you to Veronica. What I'm trying to help you understand is this. 
if you want to be a superstar, then what you need to do is develop some great habits as it relates to this CRM tool. You need to use it to its max. Whatever it is that you, you use, Pipedrive, Close.io, Salesforce, Magazine Manager, whatever it is that you use, it's important for you to understand it's an investment in your personal future to get training. The more you know about the CRM, the better you're going to be in sales. Know it, learn it, and, and also add to this, if you decide that you're going to switch jobs, knowing your CRM inside and out makes you a better candidate, makes you more valuable. It is a proven statistical fact that those that max out their CRM tool sets almost always do better than those that don't. All right, habit, sales superstars, habit number six of nine, asking the critical questions. Sales superstars know how to ask critical questions, not vague questions. Let me give you some examples of some vague questions. Vague question number one, tell me more about your business. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Really? I mean, that's the best you got? Tell me more about your business? Come on, you can do better than that. What keeps you up at night? Oh, come on, wah, wah, wah. Really? Come on, we can do better than that. Here's what I have found in working with sales superstars. They are exceedingly relevant. They ask critical questions that are highly relevant questions. Prove that you're relevant to somebody. You can prove that you deserve their business. Let me give you a couple of examples. Say you're selling a software product. You happen to look on a company's Facebook page. You identify that they have a challenge bringing in customers. A critical question, a relevant question would be, Hey, Bob, I saw on your Facebook page that you're trying to acquire new customers. I have a great way to bring those into you and manage those through an affordable software interface. I believe we can increase your productivity and reduce your costs. Tell me more about bringing in those customers. What would that mean to you if I could help you bring in more customers at a lower price point and reduce your overall costs? What would that mean to you? See, to me, that's a better question than tell me about your pain points. Tell me what keeps you up at night. Tell me a little bit more about your goals. Tell me about your challenges. Those are vague questions. They're not great questions. They're not critical questions. They're not exceedingly relevant questions. They're just open-ended questions. I recently sat in a training and the trainer said, you need to ask open-ended questions to get the conversation going. And I wanted to raise my hand. I sit through a lot of training, good and bad, to steal some ideas and get inspired and also to learn what not to say. I have 10 critical questions that I most often ask. Maybe we'll cover those on another Sales Training World podcast coming up. But for me, great questions are really relevant questions. They're highly relevant based upon things you've learned on LinkedIn things you found on their company Facebook page, things you've read in news releases on their website. Asking critical questions, in my opinion, is so important, so unbelievably important. All right, habit number seven of nine. Seven of nine, remember to retain. Habit seven of nine, remember to retain. Work as hard to keep the business as you did to get it in the first place. I think you would be aware of this. Most people know we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. If you work as hard to keep the business as you did to get the business, 
you're going to be a sales superstar. You got to block out time to do it. You need to recognize it takes five times, statistically, five times the money, five times the energy to get a brand new client. So remember to retain is critical habit of sales superstars, number seven of nine. Number eight, what is your differentiating factor? What is it that you or your product brings to the equation that's different than every other product, service, or whatever that's out there on the market? Sales superstars intimately know their differentiating factor. In one of my workshops, I call it your D factor. What's your D factor? What is the thing that makes you different than every other product, service, whatever that's out there? Remember something, price becomes the deciding factor when two products seem similar. Now, we all know that. So why is it that we focus so much on features, advantages, and benefits instead of narrowing it down to several, maybe two or three differentiating factors? So for me, it's really important to understand your D factor. It's important to understand how a particular differentiating factor will be meaningful to one client versus another client. For one client, the differentiating factor might be savings of money. For another client, the differentiating factor might be production or output. So you want to ask some good questions, back to habit number seven, some relevant questions, and then you want to, you want to be able to share the differentiating factor that's important to that particular client. So for me, I think it's really, really important. All right, superstar habit number nine. If you're going to be a sales superstar, you really need to understand that email is great, but it's not the deciding factor. Email is great, but it's not the deciding factor. You know, when I work with sales reps time after time after time, I always come to this one conclusion at the end when there's a crisis or someone's not doing well. What typically happens is they have spent a considerable amount of time in their sales process selling via email. Sales superstars spend about 60% of their time burning up the phones. They spend about 20, 25% of their time, 20% or so on customer service. And they spend about 20 some odd percent of their time on prospecting. So because if you think about this email, it's, it's not the deciding factor. The phone is a really a big differentiating factor. Email is important, but you build relationships when you're on the phone or when you're at meetings and things like that. Email is not the deciding factor in most sales uh, scenarios. Email is important, but the phone builds relationships, meetings build relationships. If you're struggling, it might be because you're hiding behind your email screen. For me, it's not a deciding factor. It's important, but in almost all crisis, I can identify a problem, and that is you've been trying to sell via email. Most sales superstars spend about 60% of their time burning up the phone lines or hosting meetings with their clients. You know, as you listen to this podcast and you read the blogs, you need to form really good habits. People that typically have good, disciplined sales lives almost always do better than those that don't. 
All right, check it out more online at salestrainingworld.com. Let's get on to our listener questions. I hope you find those habits to be exceedingly helpful. Don't forget habits, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're hard to get going. Once you get them going, I think you're going to find some great uh, success, some great success. All right, before we get on to our listener questions, big thank you to uh, our big sponsor here of the Sales Training World podcast uh, this month, Open Look Business Solutions. Open Look Business Solutions, you can find out more about them online at open-look.com. They offer companies like yours outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, uh, audits, uh, sales, design, and so much more. Check them out online. Mike and Brad and Kevin, great guys out of uh, Texas, open-look.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate your support. All right, let's get, uh, get to our first question here. This is Riley from San Diego. Uh, Ryan, my clients keep canceling for no reason. Ooh, Riley, not good. My clients keep canceling for no reason. What am I doing wrong? Um, Riley, there are so many factors. Um, so I'm going to try to go down a couple of roads for you, and uh, maybe we can uh, maybe we can sort this out. Love to get on a coaching call with you. Typically, clients cancel because their expectations weren't met. The product, service, whatever, does not perform to their expectations. So one of the first things I would do, Riley, is is coach you to manage your clients' expectations from the get go. Manage those expectations from the get-go. Ask them, if, we, if you buy this from me, what are your expectations? If you purchase this software, what are your expectations? If you buy this piece of medical equipment, what are your expectations? Now, if you're saying that clients are canceling for no reason, I'm going to imagine that maybe you're some type of subscription-based product. Maybe you're a software product. So it could be a customer service issue. It could be an interface issue. So another thing you might consider is this as a company is, is ask some questions when people cancel. Spend a little bit of time on the back end and really focus in and find out, hey, you know, what's going on? Why did you cancel? Is there something we can do to save you? But managing customer expectations from the beginning is something that's vividly important. Ask great questions in advance typically you'll keep clients around for a lifetime. Also, remember back to our habits. Which habit was that? Habit number uh, retention. Always be retaining clients, okay? Remember to retain. Habit number seven, remember to retain. So you might need to put some retention activities in place. That might be support lines. That might be marketing summits. That might be client-based conference calls. I mean, that kind of thing is really, really important to put in place as well. What is your personal retention plan? And then also, what is your, your company's overall client retention plan as well? All right? So, Riley, hope that's a little bit of help for you out there in beautiful, sunny uh, San Diego. Okay, Lori from Des Moines. Hey, Lori, I'm an Iowa guy. I was born in Iowa, Clinton, Iowa. Lori from uh, Des Moines. Ryan, thanks for the podcast. Love it. Cool. Thanks, Lori. I recently lost a huge client and my numbers have fallen really bad. What should I do? You know, Lori, it's, it's a common problem amongst salespeople when you lose out on really, really big, what we refer to as whale clients. And so I mentioned it in the beginning of the podcast. I'll mention it briefly again. I like to follow a prospecting rule of 20-60-20, 20-60-20. So on my prospect list, about 20% 
of my prospects will be smaller clients, 60% will be those mid-sized clients, 20% will be those large whale clients. Now, I'm criticized about this nationally by a lot of trainers, and keep in mind a lot of sales trainers out there haven't sold anything other than their sales products in many years, wink, wink. So those of us that actually sell and are on the street right now and sold through the economic downturns of 06, 07, 08 are a little bit um, you know, better prepared to speak on this. For me, <laughs> I like to have some small clients because I think they're important and their business needs are unique. I like to have the majority of my clients to be those mid-sized clients because those are kind of my bread and butter. Those folks are, tend to be a little more consistent. Uh, they tend to stick around for a lot longer uh, and tend to grow into whale clients. If you spend all your time on whales, they're harder to land. When you do land them, they're a lot of work. And when you lose them, they really, really hit you hard. So my thought would be to you is to develop a 20-60-20 prospecting process. When you prospect based on 20-60-20, then your business grows to be 20-60-20. And you're going to find in the end, those mid-sized clients are going to pay the bill and are going to really drive your conversations forward. Now, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail on this because people don't like the 20-60-20. They don't. They want their salespeople uh, working with massive whales of clients. And what I found, quite honestly, is that when you follow the 20-60-20 rule, you have longevity that outlasts most people that only focus on whales. So, Lori, hope the weather is uh, warm there in Iowa uh, this February, and uh, I hope you have some good luck with that. Probably not warm. Probably got some snow there, right? All right, David from New Jersey. Last listener question, David from New Jersey. Uh, Ryan, I'm a huge, in all capital letters, fan of texting my clients. However... My manager has forbidden me from doing this. I'm really mad about it. I may even quit. Don't do that. Why can I not text my clients? Um, David, I'm going to guess that your manager or boss's insistence that you don't text is based on one of two things. And I'm coming at this from a 45-year-old uh, sales guy that's been doing sales and marketing for, gosh, 28 uh, some odd years. I'm going to imagine one of two things. Either A... There was a bad experience that he or she personally had from texting a client. That's probably one thing. It could be old school-ness. It could be more than likely the reason that a lot of managers don't want you to text with your clients is there's no record of the text. There's no record of that occurring in your CRM. So you could get around that by saying, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Manager, sales manager, boss, whatever, I'm going to take those texts and document them in my CRM. That might help. Or you could understand what I like to do, and that is I only text clients that I have some type of relationship with or clients that say, yes, please text me. I find that texting is good. It's good, but it's a little more intimate than I want to be with a lot of clients, but it's becoming very common practice. So because of that, I am working with a lot of millennial buyers in my businesses. They like to text, and I'm, I'm down with that. I'm cool with that. But when I was recently working with a group of millennials, I said, hey, I'm 45 years old. Do you want me to um, be texting you? And it, it wasn't creepy or anything, 
but I kind of noticed that they were not totally cool with it. But some of them that I had a better relationship with, yeah, they were a little more cool about it. So texting is something that's becoming so much more common. Hopefully your manager will come around, but I would encourage you, David, sit down with your manager, your boss, whatever, and just say, hey, what is it about texting that you don't like? I really feel like it's an important part of my sales process. Identify what it is and then figure out if there's a way to work around it. Facts are facts. The situation is the situation. It is what it is, I guess. And if they don't want you to do it, they don't want you to do it. Don't quit your job. Find a way to work around it or just in the end, do what your boss says, I guess. Keep your listener questions coming in. David, thanks. Lori, thanks. Riley, thanks so much. San Diego, all the way to New Jersey, representing listeners here to the Sales Training World Podcast. Friends, keep your questions coming in. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Thanks so much for joining us for the podcast this month. Stick around, stay close. The next podcast right after this is Closing Techniques of Sales Superstars. After that is Negotiating Skills of Sales Superstars. We want you to be a sales superstar. Our goal at Sales Training World is really straightforward. We want you to be able to take your sales life to places you never thought possible. Our goal is really simple to help salespeople just like you be sales super sellers or sales superstars. Thanks so much for joining us. Stick around, stay close for the next podcast. Don't forget, if you're looking to outsource some of your sales solutions, reach out to our sponsor, open-look.com, Open Look Business Solutions, offering companies just like you outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses and data collection and audit and sales and all kinds of stuff. So reach out to Mike, Brad, Kevin, open-look.com. All right, friends, I'm Ryan Dorn. Thanks so much. Check us out. More information online at salestrainingworld.com. And we'll see you next month right here on the Sales Training World Podcast. Love to train your team. Reach out to us, Ryan, at riondorn.com. Thanks so much. God bless. We'll see you out on the street.